Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Yeah, Slovis, he's an impressive kid. Good composure. Watched him last uh, on the film. And just, uh, I think he, he has, yeah, he's poised and, and made some really tough throws and obviously was really effective. I think his 20 for 33 and 377 yards. So that that's uh, he has some really good weapons around him. But I thought he showed some really good maturity and poise in the pocket and was able to throw the ball uh, with good timing. All right, that was uh, Kalani Sataki as BYU gets ready for USC. USC coming off a big time win. We talked about it a little bit yesterday over Stanford. Gordon, you wrote a column today. I did about Keaton Slovis and. Uh, He's good. I've only seen him play once, and I, maybe it was just like a fluke, but I think St- Stanford is better than your average team. And the and the uh, the Trojans just absolutely crushed them. Fell behind early, were trailing by two touchdowns, and just fired back and outscored them 42-3 to down the stretch. And a lot of it had to do with that quarterback dealing. He was dealing, and... You know, in week one against Fresno State, they really didn't look all that formidable. And uh, and now suddenly they look pretty darn good. So we'll see if that was just a fluke. But I have a feeling it wasn't. Now, is it because, and I'm just throwing out an open-ended question here, because I don't think we know because we've only seen him for a game. But he has the best wide receiver, the group of wide receivers. You hear Kalani talking about his weapons, maybe in the country. I mean, if not the best group of receivers in the country, he's top three, top five. So if you're BYU, what are you more worried about? Are you more worried about the quarterback or are you more, more worried about the weapons? And we, this gets back to a discussion it seems like we have a lot. You know, is it the quarterback that makes the others better or is it the others that makes the quarterback better? Well, it's both. And But I, as I went and watched that game, he was putting the ball out there for those guys to go get. You know, that 39-yard touchdown pass he threw was a thing of beauty. That was really well done. And uh, on many of the other throws, yeah, you're right, Jake. He was just laying it out there, and those guys were climbing up and getting it. So if I were BYU, this is exactly what i do, Gordon. And, and I don't know if they have the personnel to do it, which is going to be Bump and run? No. They, okay, there's not a chance BYU is going to be able to guard those receivers for longer than a couple of seconds. I mean, it's just – it's not – it's not going to happen. I don't so think what are you there are blitz. I, I think you have to make the eighteen-year-old uncomfortable, and he's going to make eighteen-year-old mistakes. And if you let him sit back out, you let him sit back there and and pick you apart. Like with Utah, I was shocked that they they did not put more people in the box and did not try and create more havoc up front because I felt like that was something they could do. Instead, they kind of took the more Bronco approach, where we're mm. going to keep everybody in front of us. Well, I don't think that that is going to be possible against USC. You could play it as conservative as you'd like. And those those right, those right top three receivers at USC would be wide receiver number one at pretty much any other school in the entire country. So I don't care if BYU dropped all 11 into coverage. I don't think they're going to be able to guard those folks. I think that they're going to have to dial up the pressures, and I think they're going to have to put the heat. If I had to bet on rattling a quarterback – or covering those receivers, which I was going to have more success at, I'd absolutely go with putting pressure on the quarterback. Well, that's a great point because Slovis looked awfully comfortable against Stanford. I mean, he was back there just picking out what he wanted to do and didn't look uh, 
out of sorts at all. The question is, though, if you do commit more resources to pressuring him, then that's going to leave somebody open. Yeah, but if that somebody's going to be open regardless, I guess that's yeah. my point. <laughs> yeah. it's, a good, it's a good point. It's a good point, and I've always been of that uh, mindset that the best way to disrupt a uh, passing attack, and that's what Graham Harrell wants to do there anyway, much to your displeasure, but uh, that is an air raid offense. That's what they're trying to do, and so you have to disrupt it somehow, and I think the best way to do that is to hurry the quarterback up. Yep. I mean, it's one thing if you've got Ty Detmer back there, you know, and he's a veteran and can look around and he knows where to take the ball when, when, when need be. But when you're an 18-year-old freshman, maybe you will make some mistakes if you uh, if you press the issue. So, yeah, I agree with you, Jake. I'm surprised more more coaches don't do that. I know it's easier to say it than it is to have your job on the line and right. doing it, and then you get burned, and next thing you know, you got an 85-yard touchdown. Yep. So, I mean, that that is a possibility when you uh, overcook it a little bit. Well, I think it's easy to look at the weapons and go, boy, we have to game plan for all these guys. But I don't think that even game planning – listen, Utah – or excuse me, BYU is not going to have Deion Sanders pop up at quarterback tomorrow. And I think Diane does a, does a good job on the outside, and I think they have some players with some talent. But I think that USC is a different animal. I think they're a different animal than Utah, and they played way conservative off Utah's receivers. So I, I think it's easy to steer that way where you're like, okay, we've got a plan for all these guys. But I don't think that's going to work. Mm-hmm. I think what would work is rattling a freshman's cage. But BYU's pass rush is it was a big question mark going into this season, Gordon. We've, well, think we've about been worried they, about that all off season yeah. for them. Well, they lost Taki Taki, and they lost uh, Corbin Kafusi. Right. And those were their two most effective pass rushers. And I didn't think they did a good job pressuring Tyler Huntley. And in the Tennessee game, quarterback pressure wasn't wasn't a big storyline in that game either. Yeah, the quarterback was fairly ineffective uh, one way or the other. I thought it was a little better, but it's not something we let off, you know, Monday's show with. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, so pressure the quarterback. Make him make decisions. That's that's a terrific idea. But the kid seems pretty calm. He seems pretty collected, pretty smart. And uh, as one of his coaches called him, fearless. So for an 18-year-old kid, and he was coached by Kurt Warner. I mean, he, he probably, when you have an all-pro quarterback teaching you the game, maybe that speeds up your process a little more. But this Slovis kid wasn't even really heavily recruited. The only other offer he got in the Pac-12 was from Oregon State. He had to send out videos of himself just to get try to get some. I think North Carolina State might have been interested in him. A few uh, smattering of teams around the country. But this is... I think he impressed a lot of people. He came and he left high school early and went to play in spring ball. And then uh, through fall camp, he obviously impressed the coaches and some of the players by moving up to uh, the backup position at SC. And so they must have been seeing something in him. And afterward, after the Stanford game, you know, the USC coach said, well, we told you so. We told you. We told you watch out for this kid. And so, I, yeah, is he the real deal? I, I think it would be it would be in BYU and Utah's best interest to 
discover that for themselves. See, I think we said some similar stuff about Zach Wilson after last year, but I thought he made young player mistakes against Utah mm-hmm. when they dialed it up a little bit yeah. in, in game number one. I College football, you, you talk to any quarterback who makes that transition, right, Gordon, and they just talk about what the game is so much faster. Right. I, do, I don't think any, any coaching from Kurt Warner would necessarily change that. And so yep. now with, a, with a, a team that has a chance to see him on film and game plan against him, I, I'm just saying, and, and maybe he turns out to be great, and you could even say likely he turns out to be great, and, and I probably won't disagree with you, but I think game number one, I would, or game number two of him starting, I would still bet on him being 18 and doing what 18-year-olds do, and that's make mistakes because they haven't seen these situations before. I wonder if... Him playing against the caliber of athletes that the Trojans have. I don't think anybody has said that the Trojans are going to have a great defense this year. And they look somewhat vulnerable early in the game against Stanford. But then things stiffened on their end, uh, you know, as the game wore on. And they played much better defensively. But this kid's going up against that caliber of athlete every day in practice. Thing was, he wasn't getting the reps. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, he got him last week. And so he's he's used to going up against high-caliber athletes. And that's one thing that USC always has. It usually is a matter of how well organized they are, depending, uh, which is uh, their winning depends on that more than it does. Uh, oh, they don't have anybody in the stable down there in Troy. Yeah, they almost always do. So he's going up against tough athletes every day. So the speed you're talking about, getting used to it, uh, uh, I think he, he may already be used to it. Maybe. I don't think we know. And, and I, I don't, don't know think, whether I don't are think they practicing him in practice. Right. <laughs> I don't think practice and game are the same thing. Yeah. Or else, I mean, Utah's quarterbacks have been going up against Utah's defense for years. And, you know, they're still vulnerable to, to other great defenses across the country. Well, I'm sure that Kyle Whittingham and company are going to keep their eye eyes peeled on that SCBYU game and uh, probably already are game planning for SC, although they would never say that publicly. Uh, can I complain about something real quick? You know me. I, I often don't like to complain, but uh, can I complain about Nick Saban for a second? Sure. Actually, I'm complaining about his complaint. Okay. So Nick Saban is uh, not happy with the 11 a.m. kickoff. Actually, it's a noon kickoff Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. He said, uh, we are disappointed our game against Southern Miss has been selected as a daytime kickoff at home. We realize we've played uh, more non-conference day games at home in September than any other SEC team since 2014. Oh, boo-hoo. Come on. Spare me, Nick. (laughs) Spare me, please, sir. Have a few 9 o'clock p.m. kickoffs and then come back and talk to us yeah, here in on, the mountain Nick. time Give zone. Give me a freaking break. Uh, uh, what's he call his wife, Miss Terry? Isn't that what he calls her? But, uh, she needs to get him back on that treadmill again. Remember she was punishing him because he uh, got that personal foul uh, flag? Uh, I had not seen that story. No. Didn't you? Uh-uh. Yeah, she uh, she said, get on that treadmill. You've got to run that off. <laughs> Everyone's got a boss, Jake. I guess. <laughs> Even Nick Saban. But seriously, I mean, out west, 
come out west for yeah. a season and, yeah. and try it out. Namby Pamby. I, I saw on. a tweet uh, on Saturday, and I, I I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but it, the tweet was came out at like nine o'clock. And uh, the person who was tweeting is say there are four Pac-12 games that are still going at mm-hmm. 11, a, or 11 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah. You know, and it's just, I don't know, I, I feel bad for fans, Gordon. And this is something that we've talked about quite a bit. And I, I understand the television and the role that it plays and the dollars that it brings in and yada, yada, yada. But the, in game, the in-person game experience, especially in this part of the country, has taken a big hit because of television. It has. And the fans are the ones who pay the price. Have you noticed now uh, that they have a – tell me, does this make it better or worse, that they have a clock that the – what is the, the guy who wears the hat, the TV timeout guy yeah. down on the sideline? <laughs> have you noticed that they have a clock down now that counts down how long uh, the, the television timeout is? I did not notice that. Uh, notice it. Next game you go to in person because it's there. And I don't know if it makes it better. Like, okay, well, we now have two and a half minutes to, to hang out here for a second. Or if it's worse because it's just torture. Because you know now you're like, oh, God, two and a half minutes until they get back. Are you yeah. serious? And when you're watching the time, it makes it go slower. It makes it go slower. But, I mean, there's so many, like, extended stops for games in person. And combine that with the, with the start times. I mean, the, the BYU-Utah game, for example, you know, with Thursday, folks, they've got to work the next day. Yeah. People that have to go to school the next day. I mean, those late Thursday games are tough. Late Sunday games are tough. Like, I, I know that the, the big joke, this was um, the uh, – and I think even Coach Whit made a joke about it in the postgame where the, the – um, the, the crowd stormed the field, field three times mm-hmm. and that that game was a late Saturday night game that spilled over into the Sunday morning and everybody was making the joke about can Utah play or can BYU play on a Sunday morning? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know this. But what business do we have playing college football after midnight? Didn't didn't Grandma say nothing good happens after midnight? I don't know why. Why do we still have games going on after midnight? You know the the last call at bars around here is at one a.m. <laughs> so why are we playing college? Last call, everyone out. And we made a joke about this uh, last year. We had to end the BYU Utah post game because the uh, the the law made the point after where we were hosting the the show from kick us out. Because you can't be in a bar in any way, shape, or form after 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, what are are we doing doing a post-game show at 2 o'clock in the morning? How can we have a start time where that is an issue? We got kicked out of a bar because the show was going on too late. A bar! Doesn't that tell anybody something? And Nick Saban's complaining about a noon start time Spare me, Nick. Nick. Spare me, sir. Indeed. Indeed. And by by the way, as you were talking about being in the stadium watching the clock, I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't it be a lot easier just to watch it on TV, go into the icebox or (laughs) the refrigerator, as they call it, uh, it last 60 years. But uh, go in there, grab uh, whatever it is you want, and come back and plop down in your lazy boy and watch it there? I honestly will not blame nor question the fandom of anybody who doesn't Fan, want to go see an fans are, start Fans time. are like backdrops now. You know, I mean, they're just like, eh, whatever. Although, like you always point out, that a lot of organizations are still making a lot of money off the gate. But uh, they make it difficult sometimes for the fans. I think they do make it difficult for the and, fans. And you keep hearing about the renovations to stadiums, and they want to make the 
the the uh, the game experience uh, being there special in some way. How about speeding it up while we're young? I don't think it's going to happen. No, I think we've we've long since passed the point of no return on this sort of thing. <laughs> so maybe, hey, maybe we should complain about us complaining because there's really no point well, in complaining. At least we do have it something to complain about, Nick. Not give so us, much. Give us a break, Nick. Yeah, yeah. You you go enjoy Boo-hoo. your go enjoy your noon kickoff time, please, <laughs> because there are a lot of us around here that would really uh, like those more of those early kickoffs. But we are getting earlier kickoffs this week, so again, maybe this is the wrong time to bring it, to bring it up. But we just get so many of them. Uh, BYU USC one thirty and Utah two fifteen, I believe. And then, uh, yeah, so that's Which is darn near nice, perfect. Yeah. So this week, nothing to complain about no, this Nick, week. Even Nick wouldn't complain about that. I just, when I saw that, I just thought to myself, come on, man. Yeah. This is one of those things where you can't complain about it because there are a lot of others that have it way worse than you do. Can't you say that about darn near every complaint? Yes, that's probably true. Because there's always somebody who's got it worse. That is absolutely true. All right. Thoughts for the day. Indeed. All right. We'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.